you are listening to the last part of episode 7 of let's get uncomfortable thank you and we would like to start with the legal section and i would pass it on to shreya is the legal industry ready for digital transformation in the words of a chinese philosopher a journey of a thousand miles begins with one single step that single step is digital transformation for the legal world most of the world has already gone digital with various forms such as artificial intelligence cloud technology and other tech solutions if you see the only conspicuous exception is the legal industry however the unprecedented pandemic and the lockdown teamed with back to back business upheavals and growth have compelled the need for digital transformation to take hold in the legal industry change is the only constant and this year has pushed all boundaries to adapt to the only viable option that is virtual be it the rise in alternative dispute resolution due diligence or intellectual property we can sense a digital presence in legal domain right from the court hearings going virtual to legal advice being rendered online digital transformation has vastly reduced the late hours and allowed legal professionals to forage into new dimensions within the industry this remote working style has been welcomed and accepted this digital storm has more pros than cons artificial intelligence caters to the background and the base of law namely contract reviews and analysis litigation prediction previous judgment log and sound research aid this has opened new avenues for technical collaborations leading to varied business expansion the two big shifts that have been seen are cultural and technical being adaptable to change is considered a far better skill than experience and being tech savvy just adds to your hat of feathers though a lot of companies have already adapted to this new wave one thing is for certain the face of law is headed for a revamp thank you thank you shreya for sharing such an important article now i would like to share with you all something that recently happened in the indian legal space this involves labor laws that were passed for the gig workers now i read this article on a platform called finshots and i would like to summarize it to you now let me first tell you what are gig workers gig workers are people who are basically uncontracted workers they work and earn in a non traditional relationship with the employer they include people who work for platforms such as zomato uber dunzo thyrocare etc basically the th- aggregator platforms but they also include freelancers who are coders writers or anyone who provides a service via a short term contract now what happened now why was this law passed it's because of the lockdown when the nationwide lockdown happened most of these gig workers and platform workers were temporarily disabled to work because of that and because of their uncontracted relationship they didn't have any kind of financial benefit or some kind of social security which left them at a standstill now we also heard that during the lockdown ola drivers were finding it very difficult because of their declining revenue to earn a living and not a long after that swiggy workers also started doing nationwide protests because they received poor wages and poor working conditions now the problem lies with the indian labor laws 
it's because the labor laws are for the contracted workers there is and they are and laws were never passed for uncontracted or independent contractors now contracted workers have a defined contract where their wages their hours health benefits and allowances all is fixed in paper but there is no such thing for uncontracted workers for gig workers so they are expected to handle it independently uh, in their own sweet time and so aggregator platforms were mostly exempted from these laws because of that now india recently passed three labor laws among them was the social security code which has taken the responsibility of taking these unorganized and gig workers under its umbrella now according to the new rules gig and platform workers are entitled to things such as insurance health and maternity benefits old age protection and crash furthermore they also this law also states that the the gig and platform companies are required to maintain a fund which will be made out of the 1 or 2% of their annual turnover for the social security fund for these workers and the state and central government is is also responsible to contribute to this fund while this seems like a positive thing it is not because the financial burden of the gig workers will increase in this case it's because the employers who are contributing to this fund will not bear this financial burden alone they in all likelihood will pass it down to the gig workers which will reduce their income so Kunal Khattar who is a founder of an early stage venture capital fund said that there will be a huge pushback no platform is profitable and will not have the ability to increase their costs in the current covid situation where revenue and transactions are significantly down anyway now that is not the only problem there is a legal definitional problem also that lies in this now according to the draft code there is a clear lack of clarity between the terms like aggregator gig worker plant platform worker because all these three things have different definitions now a gig worker in instance is someone who earns from activities outside of the traditional employee employer relationship without indicating how exactly a gig worker is apart from these definitional changes there is also uh, there are also different meanings for these different terms like platform worker gig workers and which makes it very difficult to pass this law and execute it okay that's it from my side and now i would like to pass it on to sanjana thank you abhishek ever since the death of the bollywood actor sushant singh rajput some very bizarre events have followed and um, our state government has not exactly taken the best actions to counteract that now the apex court dismissed a petition seeking directions to remove cm uddhav thackeray led government from maharashtra and impose president's rule in the state claiming the failure of the constitutional machinery a bench of the supreme court headed by cgi sa bobde refused to entertain the petition filed by delhi residents vikram gehlot rishabh jain and gautam sharma while dismissing the plea the bench said that as a civilian you are at a liberty to approach the president but don't come here you are saying because some bollywood actor has died the constitution is not being followed in maharashtra every incident you are talking about is from mumbai do you know how big maharashtra is 
we are not entertaining it and this will be dismissed the plea had submitted that the state machinery is being misused by political parties in power not only to shield criminals but also to encourage criminal activity being regularly indulged by indulged in by the cadre affairs of the state are not being carried out as per legal requirements and in honest and sincere manner for the welfare of the citizens the report added to support its claims the petition had mentioned incidents like the death of actor sushant singh rajput threats to kangana ranaut and demolition of her office and attack on navy former navy officer madan lal sharma allegedly by shiv sena volunteers the petition stated these are few instances but enough in themselves to show that the activities of the state administration are not carried out with the provisions of law and as per mandate of the constitution but give a feeling that some sort of despotic rule is going on in the state of maharashtra the state the spirit of democracy law and rule is that a state should act in a lawful manner to the benefit of common citizens and act as per law it added on the contrary when the state machinery allows itself to be used as a band of persons throw law to the winds and to, and take to oppressive activities as an instance of ruling dispensation which shows and establishes a failure of the constitutional machinery and require imposing of the president's rule in the state the appeal also submitted that due to various act of police high handedness and other mach- state machinery and gangsterism resorted to by the members of the ruling shiv sena party under the direct protection of state police has also raised a situation of grave emergency where the security of residents of maharashtra has been threatened calling for president's rule the petition said that if not the whole maharashtra it should at least be imposed in mumbai and districts around it and put under the charge of armed forces to ensure safety well-being and life of common citizens residing in that area the plea stated declare a state of emergency in the state of maharashtra and in any case in the city of mumbai and neighboring districts as a grave threat to the security of citizens residing there has arise due to direct conduct of pre- uh, present government and bring it under the rule of armed forces to assist the civil administration that's it from my end and now i'll be passing it on to shreya Let us shift our radar on gay marriage in India and its legalization along with LGBTQ rights. History stands witness to the longing of the LGBT community in legalizing gay marriage. The whole concept of gay marriage hopes to establish marriage equality which is actually differed and varied by jurisdiction. The recognition of gay marriage is both civil and a human right and the most prominent supporters of gay marriage are the civil and human rights organizations. The LGBT community in India as of now faces certain legal difficulties which brings us to the crux of the matter are gay and lesbian marriages in India legal unfortunately the answer is negative former chief justice Deepak Mishra speaking for himself and justice Khanvilkar said and i quote there can be no doubt that an individual also has a right to a union under article 21 of the constitution When we say union we do not mean the union of marriage though marriage is a union as a concept we mean union to be companionship in every sense of the word be it physical mental sexual or emotional the lgbt community is seeking realization of its basic right to companionship the line when we say union 
we do not mean union of marriage is particularly interesting. At first blush, the former Chief Justice seems to suggest that Article 21 does not confer a right to gay marriage, but just a union. But if union includes marriage, then how can the right to marriage possibly be excluded from the fundamental right to life? There have been many protests by people in India against the criminalization of same-sex marriage and demands for legalizing gay marriages in India. Due to this outrage, the main change towards the gay community came after the Supreme Court made alterations on Section 377 of the Indian Penal Court with regards to homosexuality. This is a half-battle one, as there have been no civil rights that gay couples enjoy. A person in homosexual relationship can opt for court marriage if both of them fulfill the requirements required in the procedure. The Supreme Court, consisting of five judges, made a declaration of the same by overruling its very own decision. According to former Chief Justice, we have to bid adieu to prejudices and empower all citizens. He also said, any discrimination on the basis of sexuality amounts to a violation of fundamental rights. Adding to that, Consensual intercourse among adults, be it homosexual or heterosexual, in private space does not in any way harm the public decency or morality. The LGBT movement in India, though quite old, traditional, cohesive and comprehensive, has welcomed this judgment. There may be many splinter groups which sometimes work at cross-purposes, but a wave of change is seen in a country like India. Thank you. Thank you, Shreya, for sharing with us the status of gay marriage in India. Now, I would like to bring your attention to something that's very important and it recently happened in our country. I'm talking about how the Delhi High Court pleased to include same-sex marriage in our law. Now, the Delhi High Court asked the center to respond to two separate petitions by same-sex couples who are seeking to declare that the Special Marriage Act and Foreign Marriage Act should apply to all couples regardless of their gender identity and sexual orientation. Now, one of the petitions was filed by two women and they had been a couple for eight years. They lived together. They sought a direction to the subdivisional magistrate Kalkaji here to register their marriage under the Special Marriage Act. The other plea was moved by two men who got married in the United States but their marriage registration was denied under the Foreign Marriage Act as it included same-sex marriages. Now, a bench of justices, R.S. Law and Asha Menon, issued to the center and Delhi government seeking their stand on these two petitions. Now, the court also issued notice to the Center and Consulate General of India in New York on the plea by two men who got married in the U.S. but were denied registration of their marriage. The bench listed both matters for hearing on January 8, 2021. Now, despite during the initial hearing, the bench said that it has doubts regarding the maintainability of these petitions because the concept of marriage in India comes from the customary laws which do not recognize the same-sex marriage. It says that marriage is not defined under the Special Marriage Act and Foreign Marriage Act. And it interprets what a marriage is according to the customary laws. Now it said that 
if same sex marriage is recognized under the customary law it would then be followed by the other statutes statutes like the special marriage act and the foreign marriage act now this means that according to the customary laws same sex marriage is not well recognized in our customs and due to that it is facing a problem in being proved now the court further said that sma act was enacted for interfaith and intercaste marriages now senior advocate menika guruswami who was appearing who is appearing for both set of petitioners said that the petitioners are not seeking any relief or under any customary or religious laws they are just seeking their right for the civil laws sma and fma which are applicable to all kinds of couples including intercaste and interfaith it should also be applicable to them one of the councils rajkumar yadav representing the central government said that in the 5000 year old history of san sanatan dharma such a situation was being first for the first time to this the bench remarked the language in the statutes is gender neutral please try to interpret the law in the interest of every citizen of the country now the two women who are also represented by arundhati kadju and govin manoroham and surabidhar have said in their plea that they have been living for 8 years and they are aged 47 years and 36 years and they are not allowed to get married and that and because of that they have been denied several rights like owning a house opening a bank account family life insurance which opposite sex couples take for granted the two men who also are represented by the same set of lawyers were married in the united states but their marriage was not registered under the fma by the indian consulate as they were a same sex couple now they are a couple who were in a relationship since 2012 and they got married in 2017 and they also claim that during covid-19 pandemic non recognition of their marriage by the laws continues to irritate them because it restricts them to travel as a married couple to india and spend time with their families indeed this is a very good step for the inclusion of the lgbtq community into our indian legal system but it also raises the question that we are only talking about the same sex couples here what about the civil rights of other people who belong to the lgbtq community thank you okay so that's it with our legal section now and we are finally done with all the all the news that we wanted to present and this was this is really relieving now because it was quite a daunting task to do so many articles and execute it and coordinate it so perfectly so thank you guys for being a part of this and now i would just like you all to uh, talk about your like present your closing like what were your highlights and what is the one additional thing that you would like to include so yeah kostum yeah uh, thank you abhishek first of all for having us over i mean it was the first ex- it was the first time that i have had this experience being on a podcast and uh, let me tell you it was really daunting i didn't expect i would be able to get through it so smoothly but it was fun it was generally fun experience and to present news that's not been given to us every day on the local media or anything it was a great experience for me what was the biggest highlight for me in the podcast i would say is the green finance article considering we also spoke about the national parks and how uh, our biodiversity is in danger so i it was i was really interested by the fact that the amount of investment that we need 
to to combat climate change um, in the sense that we can see we can see the effects of climate change in our own country with the erratic monsoon this year the floods that have been happening in bihar and assam so frequently the recent cyclone in mumbai or the cyclone that's coming in andhra pradesh so yeah green finance i think it's it's a way forward to help us combat all, all these um, effects of nature and make sure that we live in harmony and uh, i mean i just wanted to say give an extra piece of information that citibank and morgan stanley if i'm not mistaken have decided to um, check the carbon fr- footprint of the loans that they give so it, it seems to be a positive step towards uh, the world realizing the importance of green finance and let's just hope for the best then again uh, thank you abhishek for this okay thank you vastu then what about you sanjana how was your experience Uh, I'm a complete novice and a person who has mild anxiety. I was really worried if I would be able to get through this podcast without losing my mind. But surprisingly, I did quite all right for a rookie. And you made this podcast really interesting, and it was really nice of you to invite us. So thank you again, Abhishek, for it. Uh, moving on to what I really found interesting about today's episode. Uh, when i read about india's uh, per capita gdp falling below bangladesh's it was really interesting yet so su- and surprising for me because india has always been uh, has always been regarded as uh, the second largest superpower in asia uh, only after china and uh, india has always been ahead in the, has always been ahead of bangladesh in all aspects so when you get the news that uh, india has fallen behind uh, bangladesh in its per capita gdp it hurts the indian global image and uh, like i have mentioned earlier during uh, the finance section i truly believe this has been uh, due to the fact that india has not uh, resourcefully used its low labor low labor exports to boost its economy so if policy makers were to understand this aspect and try to reverse the situation we can boost uh, 5% of our gdp and that is not a small number and during uh, uh, during uh, the pandemic when we need an economic boost the most this is something that we really should take into consideration for a very steady economic recovery another thing that i found really interesting is that covid-19 has forced everyone to stay indoors maintain social distancing due to which kids have not been able to go to school colleges are shut schools are shut and we don't know when they're going to open next however this has given edtech players a boost to facilitate their online education and it has helped them in digital in the digital transformation so this transformation was predicted to happen a few years later but the pandemic has made it materialize right now which is which is really an amazing thing and uh, some of the key players of this are um, byjus vedantu tech avangard and uh, editors and uh, the edtech players opine that the recently announced national education policy has come at the right time and can stimulate double digit growth for the estimated uh, 3.5 billion dollars in tech sector so that's it from my side okay. once again abhishek oh thank you sanjana so thank you guys and what is what will be my closing is i really you know 
I really was surprised by the amount of articles that we presented because these articles are not well known in the public and such pieces of news have not been highlighted so, and these like some of them like India's GDP falling below Bangladesh the green finance one about like when I researched about Molem National Park I was so shocked and even about the progress that our IT sector is making like these were things that I didn't know about and while researching about this I was so shocked that these were not represented in media or in the traditional outlets that we normally consume so the one highlight the like the one of the major highlights was like we did a very good job in presenting news pieces which are so important but yet they are not given so much attention and we all should feel uncomfortable about how we don't know these things so yeah and one of the additional pieces that i found was that you know uh, there is a 23 million dollar program which offers a health id to every citizen it's going it's supposed to happen in india and the national it's called the national digital health mission which aims to create a repository of doctors and health facilities across india and also digitizing the citizens records which will lead to a very cost effective and better which will lead to cost effective and better economic outcomes this was said by Indu Bhushan, who is the chief executive officer of National Health Authority, it was he said it during an interview with with the Economic Times. So now I know this is a very big step, but I don't really trust how the government maintains data because there has been like in this lockdown recently we heard that the governments are not efficient enough to maintain records. Like there were so many important data that we didn't have. They, we didn't have data about the health workers who died due to COVID. People who died due to non-COVID reasons, we didn't have the data. So like this is, I don't know, like I'm excited that they are doing this, but I don't really trust the government's execution till now. And there are a lot of examples and case studies for that. So I don't need to detail it out further. So yeah, that's, that is it from our side. And now I would like to give you all the time and talk about the big four, like why all started this, what was the vision and where do you all want to go? So basically, uh, the big four. We started the big four when uh, my uh, friend Shreya and I, we were just discussing about how we can collaborate together and how we can harness our writing skills and our research skills to maybe create a platform which delivers um, short and uh, crisp news to readers who don't know specifically about certain aspects. So basically, Shreya always wanted to get into legal writing. I always wanted to get into finance and sustainability. And since uh, due to the pandemic, we didn't really have jobs, we thought maybe we should just like uh, take this up and come up with something different. And that's how the Big Four was started. And Kostov joined us later as our primary research guy who always provides us with all the information that is necessary whenever we have a specific blog plan. And it's a collective effort. I mean, it's a collective effort, but we really uh, hope to continue. We really hope to continue this and we really hope to um, keep spreading uh, viable information for our readers. Okay, thank you. Thank you, Sanjana. And guys, uh, your, everyone who's listening to this, 
should check out the big four they have a blog and they also have an instagram page where they share their information and their research that they are doing i especially like what they are what they have found in the finance section and in the business section which is very uh, like it is a very like it's not even a 2 minute read it's like it just gets done within 1 minute or 1 and a half minute and i really like the amount of research that they put in and thank you guys for you know taking the time and being a part of this podcast and i will link their pages and their blog and their blog in the description of this podcast so please check them out and thank you for joining in for another episode of let's get uncomfortable and we'll see you next time thank you guys so much for joining me abhishek can i add in something yeah sure go on edit ho jayega <laughs> I just want to tell all our listeners that Abhishek is running an amazing podcast and you guys have to subscribe to this channel and have to keep listening to his episodes on a daily basis that's about it Thank, thank you, you Abhishek that, Thank you for that extra plug So guys please do check out <laughs> please do check out the big four <laughs> and yeah let's see if they agree to work with me further also after the goof ups we did behind the recording <laughs> so thank you guys for joining in and i'll see you for thank the next episode thank you thank you this episode would not have been possible without the publications that helped us research all the news articles that we wanted we would like to thank economic times hindustan times the hindu nascom bloomberg quint Fin Shorts, Business Insider, Hindi TV, Business Standard, Money Control, Live Mint, Eco Watch, First Post, India Times, Indian Express, Financial Express, The Wire, India Mongabe, Scroll dot in, Northeast Now dot in, The Print dot in, Times of India. Be sure to follow them and get your news from them. Thank you.